What's going on, everyone? And welcome in to Plazon's podcast, filled to the brim with glitchy analysis and freezing cold takes so cold that they're boiling hot. Today's podcast is proudly sponsored by Hungry Howie's Baton Rouge. Check out their website for both takeout and delivery deals. Right now, they have an amazing takeout deal. Get a large one-topping pizza for just $7.99. Thank you so much to Hungry Howie's Baton Rouge. And in today's episode, we are cooking up something phenomenal. Right now, I've got the top 10 NFL draft picks on my board right now. We're going to look at each one of those teams and talk about what they need as a team and who they are probably going to draft. So could you call this a mock draft? Mayhaps. We're going to get into it, though. Pick number 10, the Super Bowl runner-up Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Eagles need to draft a defensive lineman or a defensive back. If Philly wants to run it back with the Super Bowl team that they had this year, they're going to have to rebuild this defense who's got 11 free agents and seven of which are going to be 30 or older. A couple of those are looking at retirement, maybe Fletcher Cox and a few others. Now, the odds of replacing all of them or re-signing them in free agency is slim to none. With the potential holes mainly being at safety and defensive line, here are two different prospects that the Eagles need to look at. Number one, Brian Branch, a safety from Alabama. Now, personally, from a scheme perspective, I don't know if Brian Branch fits the Eagles defense, but I do know that he's extremely versatile. If I had to compare him to anyone, it would be Landon Collins. The quality that makes him stand out the most is his run-stopping ability, just like Collins. I think this would be a pretty good fit for the Eagles. They obviously needed some help on that defense during the Super Bowl. Brian Branch could provide that help for them. Now, second on this list for the Eagles is defensive lineman Brian Breesey from Clemson. To me, this seems like a better fit for the Eagles just because of the potential talent loss at this position. I mean, you've got basically your entire defensive line in free agency and a couple of holes already. Now, what Brees brings to the table is the new hybrid type of interior D lineman. Now, that is, he's big enough to plug holes in run plays and quick enough and strong enough to have a huge effect on a team's passing attack. And he's 6'5", 300 pounds, but a freak athlete. Once again, the most important attribute he brings to the table is his versatile skill set for his body type. Now, in terms of where the Eagles are positioned, I think this is their ideal pick. Now, moving on to number nine, the Carolina Panthers are in this spot. Frank Wright, I can almost guarantee, is going to demand a quarterback in this draft. After dealing with Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger and Jacoby Brissett and Phillip Rivers for three years, he's ready to find someone that'll be around for more than one season. Now, the problem with that is the best four quarterbacks on the board could be gone before the ninth pick. So in my opinion, the Panthers are going to need to move up in the draft to find their quarterback. But if they sat at nine, I think there could be possibly a quarterback or two that might still be there. The Panthers just got the short end of the stick because both quarterbacks look like they're going to be projects. So without further ado, here are the two prospects that the Panthers need to consider. Number one, Will Levis. To me, I see a ton of Josh Allen when I watch his gameplay. He's super athletic, talented, is a cannon of an arm. But the downside of Levis is his hero ball play. I don't think his mechanics and anticipation on routes are as polished as Allen's were coming into the league which is saying something because he was raw. But all in all, the talent is there, and Levis could be a bona fide star in this league. Second, Anthony Richardson, quarterback from Florida. 
Another project quarterback to me, Richardson seems like an even bigger boomer bust quarterback. To me, this guy has the highest potential in the draft. I've seen a lot of comps to Cam Newton, but to me, that doesn't do justice to what his unadulterated arm talent is. His huge problem is accuracy and experience. He only started one full season, and in that year, his completion percentage was under 54%. He also only threw more than 30 times in just four games, and he was 0-4 in those games. He had eight games under 60% completion, but he had some flashes of greatness, like the huge win over Utah to start this year. So all in all, I think that Richardson will probably be here, and that's somebody that the Panthers could grab. Moving on to the eighth pick. The Atlanta Falcons are in the spot, and there are a ton of needs on the Falcon, including, in my opinion, quarterback. But I think Arthur Smith, the head coach, is pretty secure in his job. I think the team is going to try to figure out whether or not their third-round pick from last year, Desmond Ritter, is a good enough starting quarterback. The Falcons need to give him all the help he can get, so I think if it's a reach at wide receiver, it's the best play here. If not, the Falcons ranked last this year and the bottom of the league in pressures for the last two seasons. An edge rusher would be a great piece to add to a defense looking to adjust and locate their identity. So the first on the list, like I said, it's a reach, but this is probably a good idea for a team that needs a really good catch receiver. Jordan Addison, the wide receiver out of USC. Now, two seasons ago, Addison absolutely torched teams on his way to 1,593 yards and 17 touchdowns, not to mention a Blitnikoff award. However, due to some injuries this past year, his production took a massive hit, but I think this is going to be the best get-open wide receiver in the draft. When I think of an NFL comp, I think of Hunter Renfro. He's crafty and quick, not necessarily explosive or flashy. I think he is a great asset for a young quarterback looking to complete easy throws. He's got a slender build and surprisingly did not face a ton of physical coverage. I'm not sure how teams didn't really figure that out during the season, but he is a good three-down possession type wide receiver that could get easy completions. I think that Addison is the way to go and probably is the way that the Falcons are going to end up going. But if not, number two on this list is Miles Murphy, the edge out of Clemson. Now, what makes Murphy so special is his speed at his size. His ability to close and set edges, both pass rushing and stopping the run, is something that most NFL outside linebackers can't do. Thus, the reason he would fit well in a 4-3 system as a down lineman. Now, I compare his skills to Josh Sweat on the Eagles, and I think he has the potential to grow into a great hybrid three-down lineman. His main weakness is his versatility in all aspects of the game. He gets too high off the ball, and he gets upfield too fast sometimes. Not to mention, he also runs downhill with a lack of lateral movement. It just seems like he's very up and down, both on the field and in his stance. But I do still think that he is a top three edge rusher in this draft and a solid pick at number eight. Now moving on, number seven, the Las Vegas Raiders. Josh McDaniels and the Raiders are in win-now mode. He's on the hot seat. There are rumors swirling around about all the quarterbacks that are going to be taking Derek Carr's place, including people like Aaron Rodgers. Now, given all those rumors, plus the rumors that Josh McDaniels is on the hot seat, it's hard to imagine that he wants a project quarterback and rebuild a Raiders team that was just in the playoffs, not this season, but the past season. That being said, here's a couple of prospects. 
Number one, Peter Skaronsky, the offensive tackle out of Northwestern. Now, Skaronsky is one of the rare tackles of today's pass-happy offenses that likes to engage quickly. It truly shows in this way when he run blocks and he moves fluidly in motion. Skaronsky's main weakness, according to scouting reports, is that his arms are too short. Now, advanced pass rushers took advantage of this by using their separation techniques so that he couldn't get locked into their chest. Now, I imagine this problem will probably get harder, as obviously this is the NFL, but Skaronsky has been described as someone with a high IQ and an extremely dedicated work ethic. I think this is a pretty solid move for the Raiders here to protect whatever quarterback is going to be in a black jersey next year. Now, just in case I'm wrong, the second prospect here is a quarterback, and his quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Now, this seems unlikely to me because it's looking like the Raiders are going to go for a veteran quarterback, but in the same light, things could happen to the Raiders like they happened to the Denver Broncos last year, and they miss out on Aaron Rodgers, and they just got to find somebody else. Now, there's not a Russell Wilson backup option this year, so the Raiders could hit the reset button and draft a project quarterback like Richardson. Now, his arm strength and his pure talent would go well with the infinite amount of weapons that the Raiders have at their disposal. Now, Richardson's mobility and escapability skills are something that the NFL defenses still aren't used to. Now, in the right system, he can succeed. So, yeah, I've got the Raiders maybe taking a quarterback here at number seven. Moving on to number six, the Detroit Lions. Now, at the end of the season, Jared Goff and the Lions were a Seahawks win away from the playoffs. After starting 1-6, the Lions went 8-2 to finish the year and had one of the best offenses in the NFL. At home, Jared Goff looked like an MVP candidate and was, for the most part, competent near the end of the season. With the return of Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, and Goff's $30 million cap hit, I think the Lions are going to run it back one more time and see if there truly is something there. Now, that being said, the Lions had one of the worst defenses in the league and there are a lot of holes to plug. So number one prospect that they could draft, Joey Porter, a corner from Penn State. Now, based on everything I've seen, this is the best corner in the draft. What's most impressive about Porter is his fluidity within defensive schemes. To me, he has a chameleon-type feel in the sense that he can adapt to any environment that he's put in. You can put him in the slot. You can put him in space. And he succeeds either way. Like a ton of good corners in the league, he's extremely aggressive and dominant. However, that comes with a caveat. Porter was flagged for P.I. at least a dozen times in his college career and has a tendency of being aggressive with his hands. Now, there's a lot of corners that are like that. An extremely solid prospect, though, with minor tweaks, could be a great starter on an NFL team. Now, number two, Tyree Wilson, an edge rusher out of Texas Tech. Now, in any other draft, Wilson would be the best edge rusher in the first round, but he's following in the steps of Will Anderson. Now, while a lot of pass rushers in today's game are finesse pass rushers and speed-oriented, Wilson is all power and strength. He's a classic edge that can fit a 3-4 or a 4-3 scheme. His body is built for the NFL. The downside of this is his reliability on those natural talents. Will his strength and length be enough to beat seasoned NFL tackles? I don't really know. Now, overall, he's got an opportunity to develop those things somewhere like the Lions. Number five, the fifth pick, Seattle Seahawks. Now, we saw the incredible Geno Smith show and the development of so many draft picks for the Seahawks from last year. The Seahawks can do one of two things. They can build around Geno 
or draft their next franchise quarterback. Personally, looking at the talent in next year's quarterback draft, I would run it back one more year with Geno, but the Seahawks could see something that I don't out of these one of four quarterback prospects. Now, two of the four teams ahead of them are almost certainly drafting a quarterback. Now, it's a completely different story if one of those slip down to number five for the Seahawks, but free agency comes first in the league, so the Seahawks will most likely already have made a move as far as what they're doing with their quarterback. That being said, like the Lions, the Seahawks could use some more help on the defensive end. So first prospect, Jalen Carter, the defensive lineman out of Georgia. A top three prospect in this draft, Carter would be an absolute steal in this draft if he fell down to number five. By far, one of the most pro-ready players in the draft. His only issues are with small mechanic things and getting double teamed, both which can be solved with time. Carter is a freak pass rusher at 6'3", 300 pounds, and is the best disruptor in the middle of the defensive line in this draft. There hasn't been a time in his career that he struggled to dominate. I think that Carter would be an absolute pick here for the Seahawks at number five. Now, second that the Seahawks could go with is Tyree Wilson. Now, Wilson would be a perfect fit in Pete Carroll's system and could be what Bruce Irvin was supposed to be back in the Legion of Boom in 2013-14. Wilson needs to learn techniques from veterans who have been around the league and who better to learn from than Bruce Irvin himself. As a large physical player, Wilson can become the alter ego of pass rushers today and become the ultimate disruptor off the edge. Now looking at one of our first quarterback pick locks, the Indianapolis Colts. There are an almost infinite amount of questions for the Colts this offseason, including coaching, offense, defense, but most importantly, quarterback. It's clear that Matt Ryan is done as the starter and the Colts are ready to find their next Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning. But are they in this draft? Ideally, the Colts don't need to move up in the draft to get a top two quarterback prospect unless they have some competition ahead of them. Now, that being said, a quarterback and a quarterback alone is their sole goal in this draft. Now, first up, if they can get this guy here, that's huge. Bryce Young, the quarterback out of Alabama. Seeing Young's career firsthand gives me special insight, I think, into this type of pro QB he could be. He can make every single throw imaginable, and he is the best scrambler in this draft. And unlike his Alabama predecessors, he won a Heisman Trophy being a quarterback at Alabama, and he went toe-to-toe with the best teams in college football without an elite receiving core. He is known as a leader in the Alabama locker room, and has an extremely vast knowledge of the game. There aren't many things that Young is criticized for without a legitimate excuse. But the one criticism of Young that can't be denied is his size and stature. Obviously, there are player comps to Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, but to me, the comps aren't the comps that people think that they are. Now, Young, although he's quick, is much smaller than Murray and Wilson. Injuries and sustainability are the main issues, but with a strong offensive line and an offensive coordinator that keeps him out of harm's way, Young can easily be a Pro Bowl-level quarterback. Now, the second prospect that they should look at is C.J. Stroud, the quarterback out of Ohio State. Now, this is the traditional pocket passer that would go number one in the draft 10 years ago. Stroud has the best quarterback body out of these top four prospects at 6'3", 218 pounds, 
and has the best pocket passing in the draft. When it comes to the three levels of throwing, Stroud can make all of them with ease and can deliver very accurately. However, like I said, 10 years ago, he would have gone first, but today isn't 10 years ago. Stroud has had some issues facing pressure, not in terms of being too scared, but effectively escaping the pocket. Stroud is very much a downhill runner and lacks some lateral quickness inside and outside the pocket. With the effectiveness of NFL pass rushers in today's game, it will be interesting to see how Stroud will respond to that. Now, the Colts will have to take a close look at whether or not Stroud can fend off these types of pass rushes. But moving on to number three, the Arizona Cardinals. The quarterback question is the one question that the Cardinals don't have to answer this offseason. However, after Cliff Kingsbury was fired, that opened the door for about a million more questions. The Cardinals' offensive struggles can be attributed to suspensions, injuries, and schemes, but their defense was 31st in scoring and it could be directly related to a lack of talent. The Cardinals were in the bottom third of the league in passing yards allowed, sacks, first downs allowed, and third down conversion percentage. A lot of that can be correlated to a lack of a pass rush. 33-year-old J.J. Watt with a torn peck bicep and a heart problem that needed to be shocked back into place was the best player on Arizona's defense and he retired. The Cardinals have maybe four to five true starting caliber defenders on their depth chart. A lot of these problems could be solved with an enforcer up front on the edge. So number one, the prospect that the Cardinals should be looking at is Will Anderson, the edge rusher out of Alabama. To me, this is the most talented player in the draft. It's hard imagining that Anderson doesn't work out in any shape, way, or form in any NFL team that drafts him. I've seen comparisons to Von Miller, but my comp is closer to Shaq Barrett or Khalil Mack. Von Miller has been one of the best pass rushers in this generation of NFL players, but does not compare to Anderson's size and strength. If you need someone to get the quarterback or set an edge, there's no question Will Anderson is your guy at any spot in the draft. The second player that the Cardinals should be looking at is Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia. Now, considering that there aren't any other non-quarterbacks worth taking in the top three, Carter is an excellent consolation prize to not being able to take Will Anderson. Carter's size and strength are the exact thing that Arizona is lacking with the loss of J.J. Watt. As of right now, I believe Vance Joseph is still the defensive coordinator of Arizona, and he likes to run a 3-4 defense. Carter has been characterized as struggling with double teams, and he would not be the biggest nose tackle in the league by any means, but his talent alone will most likely be too enticing to pass up on. Arizona, those are the two main prospects that they should be looking at. Now, moving on to the second overall pick in the draft, the Houston Texans. Lovey Smith gave one last screw you to the team that set him up for failure and gave him less than one year to fix the years of failures by Bill O'Brien and others. That being said, the Texans are hitting the reset button once again with D'Amico Ryans, who is a former Texan himself. After two years with the Davis Mills experiment, the Texans went 7-26-1. There's no world in my mind the Houston Texans stick with Mills, so that means that the Texans will most likely be taking a quarterback first off the board. First quarterback they should look at, Bryce Young out of Alabama. In terms of doing the most with the least, Bryce Young is by far the best option for Houston. Young's playmaking out of all of his attributes sets him high above his peers with precision accuracy. 
Houston had a decent pass protection last year, so Young's size and injury question are kind of less of an obstacle for Houston to get past, but I still think is a strong possibility that the Texans go with the second quarterback that I've got mentioned here, C.J. Stroud, quarterback out of Ohio State. Now, he's probably the best pro-style QB in the draft. Stroud would be the most stable option to go with. Similar to Mac Jones in a, a couple years ago draft, Stroud is the more ready-to-go prospect on the field. With the proper system, Stroud could easily lead a team down the field to victory. However, given the dysfunction and chaos that the Texans have endured over the last three to four seasons, you might find yourself in trouble if you go with Stroud here. Now, last but not least, we've got the number one overall pick, the Chicago Bears. Of all the places to end up in the top 10 of the draft, Chicago hit the lottery. They can thank their former head coach, Lovey Smith, for that. Come draft time, in my opinion, this pick is nowhere near what the Bears want to be at. Trading down in the draft to get an extra two or three picks is extremely optimal because we all know Justin Fields is there to stay at quarterback. In terms of what the Bears need now, there's not a tackle or wide receiver worth taking number one overall. But similar to the Cardinals, the Bears need someone to command their defensive line and rush the passer. So my number one option here is Jalen Carter. In terms of fit, Carter works the best more than any other team in the top five. With head coach Matt Eberflus's 4-3 scheme, he won't experience near the amount of focus and double teams that he would in a 3-4 defense. His skill set and size is meant to wreak havoc up front and take time away from the offense to let plays develop. The only problem I have with picking Carter here is I don't know if he's worth the number one overall pick. Now, the second option here is Will Anderson, the edge rusher out of Alabama. Now, the same goes for Anderson as it did with Carter. What is so special about him is his technique is refined and pure. Quickness, first step, and hand usage is already at an elite level. Even the past season, the overwhelming amount of focus that Anderson got on the field gave his teammates opportunities to succeed in the pass rush and in the secondary. Overall, his only weakness is the fact that he's only 21 and not 24 or 25 and doesn't have a fully formed build yet. Anderson will wreak havoc for a decade. You can mark my words on that. That is going to do it for our kind of mock draft, kind of mock suggestion draft. Make sure you leave your comments in our YouTube comment section or feel free to reach out to us on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you guys all so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.